You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Lots to discuss on the Philly front. James Harden potentially opting in, getting a shorter extension. Lots of rumors going on around Matisse Thybul, the number 23 pick. Joining me to break that all down, Mr. Brian Taporiki is a contributor for Forbes on lots of great stuff covering the Sixers. Brian, first off, how are things for you leading up to the draft here? Because we're finally getting some action after a month or so of not having to talk about any games going on with the Sixers. In like a week or two, I'm going to be that Jimmy Butler image of him just hanging over the banister, exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this is this is my favorite time of year because it's better than watching the Sixers crumble in the second round of the playoffs. So I, I love it. Slop season is officially here. Yeah, and, and this is this is the fun part when you're when you're covering an NBA team and they're not in the finals. This is the fun part of the offseason, of course, by the time mid to late July rolls around. There's nothing in the news cycle. Then you're stretching for, for content ideas, but we'll wait. We'll wait till, till we get there. I uh, wanted to jump into a few things. First off, Woj reporting this morning on ESPN. Lots of people quoting that on Twitter as well. Uh, basically that the Sixers, James Harden, he's looks like he's going to opt into his $47.4 million option for this coming season and then possibly sign a two-year extension after that. When you look at this scenario, and, and, and I know there's there's a ton of things that are left to play out before the deadline for him, which is June 29th, when you find out if he is going to opt in or not, what's going to happen with Danny Green, his $10 million uh, contract, which could end up being waived and saving the Sixers some money. But when you look at this situation specifically, and based off the latest intel that we're getting with Harden opting into that $47.4 million option, how does that impact the Sixers' bottom line? And do you think this is actually the best case scenario for them? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily the best case scenario. I think him opting out, taking slightly less, and then doing a three-year deal probably would have been the true best case. A lot of this hedges on what they're planning to do with Danny Green in particular, and then this number 23 pick that they have in the draft on Thursday. So right now... If Harden opts in and they keep the 23 pick, they're going to have about $146 million on their books for next season. The number for them to keep in mind is this luxury tax apron, which is going to be a little less than $155.7 million uh, based on the current projections of, you know, cap is 122, luxury tax line is 149. Um, they can't go over that line at all at any point, no matter what. If they use the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, which is going to be about 10.3 million, the biannual exception, which is 4.05, or if they acquire a player in a sign and trade. So if Harden opts in, they've got about 9.7 million before they hit the apron. So you know, Keith Pompey reported last night that they are interested in PJ Tucker. They might offer him a three-year $30 million deal. They could do that. It would get really tight if Harden opts in and they 
sign Tucker to that deal, they'll be like bumping right up against the apron. So if that's the case, it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to salary dump someone else, whether it's, you know, Cork mod seems like the most likely uh, potential dump at 5 million. Cause that would just give them the most breathing room. Um, but you know, if they don't see a role for, I don't know, Isaiah Joe wouldn't really help them. Like the, the problem is they have so many guys on these tiny contracts that dumping these guys really wouldn't affect their bottom line. Cause they're going to have to replace them anyway. Yeah. You look um, at, at, um, at Matisse's deal and you mentioned he's a guy who's been thrown around a lot in, in terms of the, the trade options, they're only going to save like what, two and a half, $3 million with Ibel as well. Yeah, it, it's not a move that you make for cap savings reasons. It would be, you know, and that's what Kyle Newbeck of Philly Voice has been reporting and Jake Fisher of BR reported it too. Like they're only going to trade Matisse if it's for an actual upgrade. It's not just like we're trying to save $2 million to, you know, to avoid the apron here. So, you know, I, I think Derek Bodner of the Daily Six Newsletter was the first to cover this angle. I wrote about it at Forbes as well later once Fisher's report came out. The really good thing about a three-year deal for Harden is that he comes off the books after 24-25, which is right when the new national TV contracts are supposed to kick in. So they kick in ahead of the 25-26 season. The salary cap is going to go up substantially, like very likely that season. If they don't agree to cap smoothing, which is what happened in 2016 and which is what allowed you know, the Golden State Warriors to have enough cap room to sign Kevin Durant, like the cap spiked $24 million in one summer. Uh, my podcast co-host, Morton Jensen, he's also a contributor at Forbes Sports. He talked to a league source last September, I want to say. And that source said, you know, the cap could jump as high as $171 million in that season. So having Harden come off the books, you know, probably for 50-ish million, uh, it could free up a ton of space because Tobias's contract will be up by then. And Bede's the only guy they currently have under contract for that season. You figure Maxi will be as well, but like they could have more than enough cap space to have a max contract. So that part of like the three-year deal versus the five-year deal, that is preferable for that reason. When you look at the window, though, Brian, like, I mean, you know, considering the fact that Harden's turning 33 in August, going to be 35 by the end of that deal, if he's if he does sign for that for that two years on top of on top of next season, what does it do for the Sixers window? You mentioned like you look, you got Embiid, you know what I mean? 28 years old MVP candidate. How long is he going to have? Because big men do not age well in the NBA. Mm -hmm. We've seen that historically that once you get into especially towards your mid thirties, pretty tough to stay at that dominant level. So when you look at what the Sixers window is, and, and you mentioned Tyrese Maxey, a guy who's trending obviously in the right direction could potentially be an all-star level guy within maybe this season, maybe a year or two. When you look at, at, at that, like the cap space would be there three years from now, but what does that mean for the short run and how are they going to be able to build around and beat and have the pieces? Cause we saw in the playoffs, like, are they are they still as constructed a second round team? Absolutely, especially unless an Eastern Conference team that was a bit lower makes a bunch of shrewd moves to to climb up with the Boston's, the Miami's, the Milwaukee's, and then you got kind of the Sixers right there in the, in a tier of their own. You know, maybe the Bulls take another step. We'll have to see that. But how do you think that this right now, with everything with Harden going on? puts the Sixers in a position to succeed. Do you think they're going to be able to do that given the lack of resources they're going to have then for, let's say for the next two or three seasons? Yeah. I mean, they just have to hit 
all of their fringe moves, all of their margin moves, which, you know, they did with Maxi. So if they keep the 23 pick, they need to hit on someone who develops into a contributor. And more importantly, someone who Doc Rivers will trust enough to play over the first couple of years of his career. Uh, you've got to nail the mid-level exception, whichever one you have, if it, you know, non-taxpayer, taxpayer, whatever each year, you got to actually get a valuable contributor there. They, they did last year with George Yang throughout the regular season, you know, the playoffs, he struggled a bit. Um, I don't know how much of that was the knee or how much of that is just, you know, he is not <laughs> the most fleet of foot athletic wise. So like, he's always going to have limitations in the playoffs. Uh, they did spend some of their TMLE on Charles Bassey as well, which is what allowed them to sign him to a three-year deal. So Maury is really good at those types of moves. You know, for all of the panic right now on Sixers Twitter about this reported PJ Tucker offer, I'd say like, let's wait to see how the dust settles before we really freak out. But that said, I, I do think, especially in the wake of Danny Green's injury, the wing is the absolute biggest priority to address this off season. Like I do not want to see any Tobias Harris trade ideas that are like Tobias for two guards. Cause that's <laughs> only going to create more problems for them. And it's not going to really solve anything. Um, but I think, you know, to answer your overall question, they can, if Harden resigns and if they can't find a taker for Tobias to break him up to a couple of smaller contracts, you can almost operate with, like what the Celtics have tried to do in recent years or what the Warriors have successfully done. Um, you know, you have this win now group of Harden, Harris, Embiid, and then Maxi because he's so good already can be in there. But then you've also got this developmental win later group. Maxi is the key to that. Obviously we'll see what happens with guys like Springer, Reed, Charles Bassey, if they keep 23, if they keep Thibel, you know, they, they could form the foundation once, Harden ages out once Harris's contract expires, they could be the foundation of the next great Sixers team. And Ed, and looking at you, you mentioned that that 2025 free agency where the Sixers might have a ton of 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 room or, or around. Then you know you're you're looking at this 2023 24, and then with uh, Tobias's contract coming off the books, we've mentioned him potentially being moved. Is that something that that is possible in your opinion? I, I mean, we've read that. Daryl Morey has wanted to move him basically the entire time that, that he's been with the Sixers. Uh, he's due $37 million coming up for next season, $39 million for 23-24. What do you think from a chance from like zero to 100? Is there any opportunity to move him um, likely, you know, in the next couple of weeks here? Sure. I think there's a chance. I wouldn't say it's especially likely. Just Again, given what they're going to have to get up to get off of him, there aren't a ton of teams with cap space this summer to like take him in an imbalanced trade. And I think they're probably shooting higher uh, target wise. And, you know, like the Sixers have already traded away so many draft picks for Harden. And then in the Danny Green deal that got off Horford, you know, they can't trade 23. They, they've already traded 23. 25, 27, and the Stepien rule prevents them from trading picks in back-to-back -back years. So they, they can offer a 2029 first after this year's draft. They could offer some pick swaps, but otherwise you're going to have to dig into, you know, Thibel is almost certainly gone in any Harris trade if teams are high on Jaden Springer. But, you know, Maxi is the clear-cut clear, clear -cut best young player on the Sixers. So I think any team 
that they're trying to dump Harris on is going to say, okay, well, we want Maxi too. And the Sixers are going to hang up immediately. So I don't know if there is, I, I, I wrote about this in Forbes because I was trying to find a Tobias trade that makes sense for both sides. And I don't know that it exists this off season, you know, maybe next off season when he's an expiring, but you no, know, he is the really the only two way forward on the roster right now. So if you trade him again, you, you've got to get at least one forward back and, you know, maybe they do if they wind up getting PJ Tucker. This this idea came to me last night as I was going to sleep, which is why this time of year is the absolute best and worst. You know, get PJ Tucker with the MLE. Maybe you use Tobias as part of like a sign and trade. So, you know, trade him to Indiana and get Buddy Heald and TJ Warren and trade either Thibel and 23 as part of that package. But, you know, there aren't a ton of viable. Like, okay, we're going to trade him, break him up into two or three smaller contracts, which I think is what the strategy should be. Um, You're almost looking for what uh, the Wizards and the Mavericks did at the trade deadline with Kristaps Porzingis. But I don't think teams are looking at Tobias Harris with like, oh, he's got a ton of untapped upside here. Oh, no, no. I mean, and and here's the thing with, with, with Tobias. And I've said this, you know, plenty of times on the podcast network, Brian, which is that he's a very good NBA player. He's just yeah. not worth his contract, and that's not his fault. If somebody came to me and offered me $50 million to run the Liberty Ballers podcast network, I'd say, by all means, <laughs> take it. I don't know how much value I'm going to bring to it. I wanted to jump into a couple more things. You mentioned P.J. Tucker, and and as you said, we've heard uh, Keith Pompey, one of the best Sixers reporters out there, saying, hey, that might be an option, and they're looking at that. He's opted out of his one-year deal that was remaining with Miami. Let's do that after a short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we're back talking with Brian Teporek of Forbes Sports. Great insight into what happens with the Sixers, especially with the salary cap and what's been going on with this wild and crazy offseason that's only been around for like five days so far. Right? <laughs> but uh, um, I want to jump into the P.J. Tucker rumors, right? And you heard Joel Embiid sing his praises after the second round loss to Miami. And Tucker has been very, very good, won a, won a championship with the Bucks in 2021, saw him fulfill his role with Miami this season on a top seed in the Eastern Conference. Gives the Sixers a lot of what they need in terms of being a, a defensive, you know, a, a dog the way that yes. people want to see from him. Um, very good for shooting threes from the from the corner. But three years at 30 million, how is that contract going to age if he does end up signing with the Sixers? Because for me, Brian, you sign him to, for, for why? I mean, of course, he's not going to take it, but you give him a one-year deal at 10 million. Okay, makes sense. You're, you're taking a flyer on a guy 37 years old. Doesn't, you know, he hasn't been too reliant on athleticism to be, a good NBA player just is is pretty low to the ground, fundamentally sound. But 
might not age well by the time 38, 39. Is that something the Sixers would be able to absorb, you think, without any issues for the next year or two if it's only 10 million on the books? Yeah, I think it's it all comes down to the details. And, you know, Keith didn't have those because legally these teams are not allowed to discuss those with free agents right now. We all know that they are, but you know, they, they can't have anything official until June 30th at the earliest. Um, if it's a three-year fully guaranteed $30 million deal versus, you know, a three-year $30 million deal with the first year fully guaranteed, second year half like five million guaranteed third years a team option like those are two very different contracts for the purposes of their long-term team building i you know i'm writing about some potential non-tax mid-level targets for them he is on the list because you know it, it seemed pretty clear that given Embiid's comments after the playoffs like he wanted not only that archetype but pj exactly uh, so he might get his wish according to pompey's reporting I don't know that he would be at the very top of my list, but you know that the market is not robust in terms of guys who can really address everything that the Sixers need. So if they do get Tucker, I wonder, you no, know, I feel like he's best as a four, Tobias is best as a four. I'm not sure which one of them slides down to the three or whether that is a precursor for a Tobias trade. So that would be something I would look out for. Um, but I mean, he would if nothing else, give them that physicality. He'd give them a small ball five option as well, because we, we know and we learned the hard way that doc, you know, was very reluctant to trust Paul Reed until the very end of last season. I don't know if he's going to you know, be won over by Reed or Bassey this year. And like, I'd much rather see PJ Tucker moonlighting as a small ball five than I would, you know, see DeAndre Jordan play a single minute for the Sixers <laughs> ever again. I think about uh, 99.9% of Sixers fans are with you on that. That point one might be DeAndre Jordan's family. I don't know, but I, I, yeah, I, would not, <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to see him back uh, considering what was displayed during the postseason. Um, you mentioned some other targets with the with the mid-level exception. And, and as you said earlier on, they could go about $10.3 million for the non-tax, non-taxpayer mid-level part of me or... If they do end up paying the tax, you're looking at about a $6.4 million taxpayer exemption. When you're looking at, at the options, maybe outside of Tucker, who are some guys that, that you look at and be like, damn, that, that's going to be a good fit for this Philly squad? Yeah, so TJ Warren is the one. It's probably the highest risk, highest reward one of any because he's only played four games over the past two seasons. And when, really when we lost, last saw him at full strength, it was the bubble and he was dropping 53 points on the Sixers. But there's a lot of uncertainty there. And I don't know that you're in a position to be gambling on that given your needs. But at the same time, I think the Sixers are going to be an attractive target for mid-level players because they clearly have this void at the three. Like he would have a legitimate chance to start. Um, so I that's... That's the one that I'm like, I don't know if I would do it because I'm so scared that like, what if he's just, you know, has lost a step or is going to get injured again. And, you know, you can't really afford giving that type of a deal. Like ideally you do what, you know, the Warriors did with Otto Porter or the Heat did with Victor Oladipo, where you get these high upside guys, but you somehow convince them to take a minimum deal. I, I don't think that's going to happen with TJ Warren. Um, so Bruce Brown is another one where I don't know if the fit is the cleanest necessarily, but 
I would like what he would bring to the Sixers on both ends of the floor. He had experience playing with Harden in Brooklyn. Nothing else. You're weakening a potential contender in Brooklyn by taking him away. Uh, Kyle Anderson's another one where, again, the fit isn't necessarily the cleanest because he's not a great or high-volume three-point shooter, and really they just need someone to you know, stand in the corner and knock down open threes off of double teams from Embiid or driving kicks from Maxi or Harden. But he is a versatile defender. He's a pretty good rebounder. He's got a gigantic, like almost 7-3 wingspan. Um, so he could, if nothing else, help fortify their defense. Uh, Torian Prince, I don't know. I'm trying to – I wasn't sure whether to put him in taxpayer MLE or non-tax MLE. He's coming off of a bigger contract, so I put him in non-tax. But he's more of that 3 and D archetype. Uh, not a lockdown wing defender by any means, but – He's career 37% from deep, hit 38.5 of his catch-and-shoot looks this past season with Minnesota. Uh, some tax MLE guys, Gary Harris, Otto Porter. I'm surprised we haven't heard more about Daniel House, given his history with Maury and Houston. That, that's one that I'm really keeping an eye on. Uh, and Caleb Martin, the Heat just gave him a qualifying offer so they can match anything up to the non-tax MLE for him. But if you know, if they decide to retain Tucker and he goes over the non-bird, which is 8.4 for him, if they have to use the MLE to retain him, maybe the Sixers get Caleb Martin instead. Yeah, and those are some some great options as well. And Jackson Frank, Paul Hudrick, Dave Early, Sean Kennedy all wrote about that at LibertyBallers.com as well. And mentioned a lot of the guys that you have. And another player, Brian, the Sixers have been linked to. Daryl Morey obviously had a history with him in Houston. Is Eric Gordon. Um <laughs> He's still a, a very a, a very good offensive player. His average 16.4 points for his career. Still a very good three-point shooter as well. Shot better than 41% for the Rockets in 57 games last season. 37% for his career. But again, the age thing kind of concerns you. Uh, we'll turn 34 next season. Is that a realistic option for Daryl Morey? And if the Sixers do land him, how do you think he would fit in, in Philly? I think it's realistic. It wouldn't, he wouldn't be at the top of my list by any means. I wrote about, you know, some Danny Green trade options or Danny Green plus 23 trade options. If it's only green in 23, they can only take back about 15.8 million in salary. So they can't, Gordon's at 19.6 next year. They can't afford him. Uh, even if they threw in like Isaiah Joe, they still couldn't afford him. So it'd probably have to be green, Corkmaz in 23 for. Uh, Eric Gordon, which like I get the fit conceptually, but at the, again, I just keep coming back to like, I would not be prioritizing smaller guards with the few resources that I had this summer. Like I would much rather see them throw if they're going to trade 23 and then use Danny as the salary filler. Like I would only be looking at wings. I would not be looking at guards and frankly, I wouldn't be looking at bigs either. And you're looking at Ed Moss's deal uh, still has one more left after next season, which obviously I think is hindering any any team that might want to take him on a team like the Rockets, obviously rebuilding, maybe don't want to have $5 million on the books for two seasons, but one season I think that would have made that more palatable uh, for somebody to try and take on. Looking at the number 23 pick, you've written about this extensively at Forbes as well. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen, although I think the sentiment around the NBA based off what we're reading from the plugged in insiders is that the Sixers are doing everything they can to try and move this pick, but 
Maybe they use it if it's there. Salary cap implications of that, roughly $2.5 million for next season. Uh, so what, what players, let's just say that Daryl Morey ultimately opts to keep this pick, Brian. Who are some of the guys you look at that be like, okay, not only do they have upside, but they can come in this season, maybe fill a role that they play 9, 10, 11, 12 minutes a game. Yeah. I mean, Tari Eason, if you, I know he's a favorite of like every team in the late teens or early twenties. So I would be surprised if he's there at 23, but if he is, that's one that I'm like running up to the board to select. Uh, Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, I think is at least one of the best ways to fill the void on the wing. He was nearly six, six with a more than seven, two wingspan at the combine apparently really stood out there and started drawing some first round looks ever since. Um, I know they've been mocked a lot to Jaden Hardy recently. I can't see him coming in and making an immediate impact. It seems like he would be one that doc would absolutely hate, but one that Daryl would really love because he was such a high ranked recruit. And I think they had a similar thought process with Tyrese Maxey where they were willing to overlook his poor shooting at Kentucky because you know he had a pedigree in high school that suggested he wasn't that bad of a shooter and he was also just a really highly ranked recruit uh so I wouldn't be shocked if they go hardy there I like Dalen Terry from Arizona I'm at least intrigued by the skill set and the fit with him because he was really low usage at Arizona which I think could be uniquely a Appealing to the Sixers, like especially if they're going to keep, you know, Harris, Maxi, Harden, and Bead for the next two seasons, they don't need another high usage, high volume shooter in their lineup. They just need guys who are going to stand at the corner, knock down open threes on offense. Like you're not going to be asked to create for yourself very often, and then you need someone who can have handle the toughest uh, assignments on defense on the perimeter. Terry was six seven with almost a seven one wingspan. His 8-10 standing reach was nearly the highest among prospects his size. So he interests me. You know, EJ Liddell uh, out of Ohio State is another one who I think is at least more NBA ready. I don't know what his upside is, but I think you know Grant Williams' success in the playoffs this year might make teams reconsider one of these like smaller tweener forwards. Um, and then further down the board, Marjan Bochamp. He didn't shoot well in the G League. Apparently, his shot form is looking better throughout the pre-draft workouts. So that, you know, like we're all operating at this deficit of information right now because we don't know how these guys have looked. And, you know, for college guys or all these G League Ignite guys, they haven't played a competitive game in three months. So if they've really tweaked their shooting form, that could make them more appealing to the Sixers as well. Brian, a couple more questions for you before we wrap up here. Looking at this from from your perspective, what is the ultimate goal here for Daryl Morey? Because looking at looking at what went wrong in the in the playoffs is they just didn't have guys that are. And there's no disrespect to people who are on the roster. I, I'm with you. I hope Paul Reed does get a chance to to you know get some run potentially not only as a backup center but as a backup four. Charles Bassey obviously had an encouraging first year. Uh, playing in the G League. We don't know what Jaden Springer is going to develop into yet. I still think he's maybe a year away from being a guy getting meaningful NBA minutes, but we could see him, you know, playing, playing at least at the end of the bench, taking a role like an Isaiah Joe did last season. But when you look at this right now, like if, if you had one 
major thing that the Sixers had to address. And I think looking back at that February trade for Harden, it's like probably should have included Thibel and kept Seth, Seth Curry at that point <laughs> because we didn't see anything from, from, from Matisse uh, throughout the playoffs. Don't know how much the impact of, of missing a few games in terms of not being able to go to Toronto, the vaccine right. status, all that kind of stuff. But if there's one thing that Daryl Morey has to nail this offseason, what do you think that is? He's got to find a playable wing, another playable wing. I don't care whether it's in the draft, whether it's free agency, whether it's a trade with Danny as the salary filler. Just they cannot go into next year with Tobias and Matisse are their only two playable wings at this point. And that, you know, and one of them can't stretch. shoot, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. You know, like, hope I know the narrative coming out of the Sixers is like the vaccination stuff. And, you know, he was out of rhythm and maybe. You know, this is his first real offseason because COVID just like jacked up the NBA schedule for the last couple of years. So maybe he comes back and is a confident 38% shooter and that changes his trajectory. But, you know, I still wouldn't necessarily trust him to create off the dribble a ton. Uh, he did. I, I do think he deserves more credit for improving as a cutter. And, you know, they, they were running like the Thibel Harden pick and rolls for a couple of games and then just totally abandoned it. So I do wonder give this coaching staff an entire off season to cook up schemes with Harden instead of having to just implement everything on the fly in the middle of the season. If that's going to help really everyone up and down the roster get better, but I, they just need more competition at that spot. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that's what they have to, they have to address. And like you mentioned, getting some size, getting, getting some guys that could do things at both ends of the floor, not necessarily somebody who can put up 20 points a game. You're happy with somebody who can put up eight, hit some open shots, but is going to give you some good defensive uh, energy as well. And I think that's what we saw lacking. And, and the, really the, the chasm between teams like the Sixers and the, the Celtics and the Heat and the, and the Bucks was just the depth. And so mm -hmm. I, I think that's one thing they have to address. I'll get you out of here on this, Brian. When you look at, the totality of this offseason, and it's a big one for the Sixers, right? I mean, they went all in, they pushed their chips into the middle of the table, could have waited on a Ben Simmons deal until the offseason to see if anything else or any other player became available and and maybe not went the hardened route, but that's what Daryl Morey chose, and that was kind of the rumors for a lot of the time once we knew Ben wasn't going to come back to Philly. When you look at this, I know you mentioned getting a playable wing, but what would be the best case scenario for the Sixers this offseason? Realistic best case, you know, I mean, yeah. it would be great if they could get uh, Kawhi Leonard and you know what I mean? Like, uh, but <laughs> right. I mean, realistically, what is the best case scenario for Daryl Morey, the Sixers, and the entire organization going into the beginning of next season? Yeah, I think the best case scenario would still be having Harden opt out rather than opt in. He could earn, you know, slightly less than his max. So if he opts out, his max is like 46.5 million. If he takes anywhere up to 42.7, they could have both the non-tax mid-level and then the biannual. So that would give them at least two swings of the bat instead of one at finding someone in free agency. So even if they did splurge on a PJ Tucker with the full non-tax mid-level, Maybe you get an Otto Porter or a Torian Prince or someone with the biannual. So I think if they aren't going to be able to trade Danny in 23 and something for that wing, whether it's you know, like, it, I mean, God, when Christian Wood went for 26 in salary filler, I was mm -hmm. like, wait, maybe, maybe 23 is more valuable than I think. Like call up Sacramento, see if they'll give Harrison Barnes up. But short of that, I would say, you know, having access to, both of those exceptions and, you know, at least having one more chance 
to add the depth that they need at those positions would probably be the best case scenario. Well, we're going to, the good news is we're going to finally find out. It's going to be maybe yes. what another a 10 day, you know, 10 days, roughly. We're going to get some uh, major news when it comes to Harden. We're going to get major news, obviously with the draft coming up on Thursday, Danny Green's contract. So we won't be having to sit here and speculate about this anymore. <laughs> then we can start talking about what the roster actually looks like. Uh, Brian, I want to thank you for, for joining me and taking the time out to do this. Always insightful, not only to, to have you on the podcast today, but reading your work as well at Forbes. Of course. Thanks for having me anytime. All right, that's Brian Toporek, as I mentioned, of Forbes. Make sure you check out his work there. does a great job breaking things down, including the Sixer salary cap, draft options, you name it. He's got you covered there. And we got you covered as well at the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Always appreciate a subscription, a five-star review if you're inclined to give us one. And, of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. We're going to be doing a live Twitter spaces on Thursday leading up to the draft, and we're going to give you immediate reaction as well. So don't forget to check us out there. 